Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and I'm once again here with Angela. What's up? Not a lot. Yeah, no. fair. <laughs> um, this is our episode. Yeah, 70-something. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of adding the numbers afterwards most of the time, because I just don't know. Uh, we're in the 70s, that's for sure. We're in the 70s, but um, not literally. No. <laughs> um. We are going to do a different thing than we normally do. We're going to yeah. try and kind of compare and contrast yes. two things that are the same kind of thing, but are also more different kind of things. That's it, yeah. Um, those things will be both from Vault. Yeah, so we're going for the same publisher that begins with a V and isn't Valiant. Yeah, we're growing. <laughs> Uh, we are progressing alphabetically, though, so I guess it's Xenoscope next. Yes. Or Hang on. Yeah. Yen Press. Yen Press. <laughs> we can do Yen Press. Um, other. Other comic book <laughs> publishers other are available. Late alphabet publishers yeah. do exist, I'm sure. Um, so we're going to do two vault fantasy books in Barbaric and mm. Quests Aside. Yes. Um. So I guess we should have talked about this before the episode. Uh, I guess we do like a intro for each book. Yep. The writers and the artists, uh, creative team will kind of do a brief discussion on each individually and then do some comparisons. Yeah, sounds kind good. Of, yeah. yeah. Make it up as yeah. we go along. For a plan we made on the fly, this sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's like we know what we're doing at this point ish mm. so you have been so. reviewing both of these for biggerthancapes.com i have yes um which makes this uh, my question was going to be which one do you want to introduce since you're <laughs> more invested but you're not you're equally invested i'm equally in invested <laughs> um I've got the trade of barbaric in front of me so that might be easier well we both do but whatever but uh, <laughs> Um, yes, that's something we should probably mention. Barbaric is, we're currently on issue five or issue four of the series, yeah. but we're just going to focus on the first three, which make up the first trade. Yeah. Uh, Quest Aside is an interesting one. We have the first four issues, which is only one issue away from a trade, but hey, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we'd, I mean, that's another way we can compare and contrast one that's complete and one that isn't. Yes, very much so. Um. And I'm sure there will be differences and such. Yeah. Don't know what I'm doing. Uh, would you like to kick us off then with a Barbaric intro? Okay, so Barbaric is published by Vault, as we have already established. The writer is Michael Marici. I always go Marecci, Marecci. but I don't know what I'm basing that on. Michael, if you're listening, please correct us. Um, the artist is Nathan Gooden, the colorist is Addison Duke, and the letterer is Jim Campbell. Um, barbaric, basically we have a barbarian called Owen, um, who has been cursed by some witches to do good, or at least kill bad people. Um, and to aid him in this, he has an axe called Axe, who talks... Uh, gives witty asides and gets drunk on blood and uh, tells Owen who he can and cannot kill. Um, they're rocking around a town when they come across a young lady called Soren who the townspeople want to kill who turns out to be a witch um, and then they go up to a haunted monastery and adventures and daring do ensue to encapsulate it briefly. I, th- I think that basically covers it. Yeah. Barbarian, witch, monastery. Yeah. Much, much killing, much blood. Much killing. Much um, gore, much axe getting drunk. Yeah, kind of. It's, it's pretty upfront with its premise, I think. Yeah. The, the first issue, 
I think each issue here is slightly longer than standard. They are, yeah. Um, they're quite meaty, meaty issues. Like, the first yeah. issue quite quickly gives us an intro to Owen and Axe, um, kind of explains his backstory and how he came to be cursed. Yeah. And then introduces Soren and sets up the, hey, you know, monasteries something's not right there there's some evil lurking (laughs) in in pretty quick succession which is i think rereading it because we we did the first issue of this on uh one of our roundup episodes we did yeah i'm not going to speculate the month because i don't know i'm gonna suggest it was possibly may june last year i'm inclined to believe you that could be Mm. true um so we, we covered it quite in depth then, I think, but what interested me on the reread is I, I didn't realise the first time around that Owen basically just tells you his origin story without anyone asking. He just, Yeah, like, he just lets you know what it is, yeah. <laughs> like, by the way, so this one time I was on a boat and <laughs> yeah. my, my friend Zum got, with three M's, <laughs> got speared in the head and then immediately afterwards my friends turned out to not be my friends who then like cursed me and such it was a day and he's just yeah. like oh okay um he's kind of on an almost like a redemption arc but yeah. we don't really know the full details of it at this point no he ne- he's been uh cursed to do good um sort of uh yeah Cursed to do good, but what form that takes is generally killing things, but he can't do any of the wine and women and all yes. of that that he used to be able to do pre-curse, where that's all he cared about was fame and glory and getting the girl. So, and then so, dumping the girl and getting a different girl. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So, so now he is on purely the do good things, which acts. Yeah. Is somehow the moral... He's the moral compass. <laughs> somehow. Um, we see that he is a little bit biased at times, which is kind of mm. great. Um, but I think as a really slimmed down cast of characters, and we'll see the opposite of this in Quest Aside. Yes. As purely Owen, Axe, Soren, and then... Whoever they're up against. Whoever the villains are. Um, in this case, you know, people in the monastery. Yeah. Evil peeps in the monastery. It it works quite well to tell us a lot about those three characters without kind of feeling like there's not a, enough to say, I think. Yeah, you, you get quite a rich... You get Soren's whole backstory mostly as well and her yes. history with the monastery. And it is, it does allow you to focus in on the characters so you get to know them really, really well because there's not... It's a very basic plot, go to monastery, solve problem. Yeah. Which means that you can delve into the character bit a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that is a good balance. I think the fact that the plot isn't overwhelming kind of serves for a good intro point. Um I think you can get a lot of fantasy books that are quite eager to tell you how much they know. Um, yeah. And I, I completely get that, that if you're writing a fantasy book, you've probably done a load of world building and have written down a lot of ideas and have a Bible for that universe. Mm. But I think it can be heavy to find, to spend your first volume world building and feeding all the details and information and your characters can end up feeling lost and insubstantial in the... So I, I like that yeah. here we're basically just told, like, hey, fantasy worlds, this this is one of them. We'll handle what exists when we handle it. So yeah. right now, there'll be necromancer stuff and maybe there'll be other stuff soon. And talking axes and witches and such. Yeah, um, magic and mayhem. Yeah, and I and I like that. I think it's nice to just be told fantasy world is fantasy world because it it feels very sort of swords and sorcery like a nineteen eighties film. Yes, and I guess obviously it does draw on stuff like yeah. Conan. 
very much. I mean, Owen Cone, you can, yeah, you can, yeah, you can see, see where they're coming from. Yeah, but I think it, that is one of its strengths in that, yeah, fantasy world, here's some characters, have fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think there is something to be said for kind of trying to expand on the quite accessible fantasy. Yeah. Um, some of my favourite fantasy books recently have been things like Reva and I'm going to do that thing that I always do. Songs for the Deaf, was it? Dead, or, or, that, yes. Songs for the Dead. Songs for the Dead, I think. Did we decide that's what it was? We get confused because of the Queens of the Stone Edge album. And, <laughs> it's one of um, those things. But I, I quite like it when people are just like, let's just do the, you know, to the point, accessible fantasy world and give people something they recognise without being weighed down by how smug I am yeah. by my world building. Yeah. Um, And I think all three characters here are really likeable, which is rare. Yeah. Axe is obviously the funniest. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty much the unique balance of moral compass and comic relief pretty much yeah rarely seen I yeah feel um sidekick moral compass comic relief yeah and of course no one can actually see axe or hear axe talk apart from owen and soren later on yes she's she's magic but yeah to, to the rest of the world it just likes like owen's just randomly talking to an axe which is a good recurring joke there's a bit when Sorin is about to be burnt at the stake, there is like villagers who are like, "Are you talking to your axe?" Because yeah. axe is giving Owen like hints as to what he should be asking about, <laughs> mm. which is really nicely done. I think as a book, this is really well put together. Um, yeah, Michael Moretti's writing is to the point, and I don't think he. I don't think there are any scenes we don't need here or any information that's unnecessary. I think it's very streamlined in that sense. I also think Nathan Gooden's art is, you know, gory and violent and Mm. draws on many kinds of action and fantasy, like tropes and ideas. Yeah. Um, Big fan of quite early on, Owen cuts someone in half with the axe and you have that kind of manga anime thing of the panel where the guy looks fine and then he kind of slides apart. Yeah, Big I love fan, that. love it. Yeah. Uh, I also think Addison Duke's colouring is just really good. It um, is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of blood. And he colours <laughs> it so well. Yes. And the ev- everything's supernatural. There's a lot of purples and pinks and greens and i think they all yeah work well um i mentioned this on the roundup i'm also a big fan of soren having tattoos and weapons yes. that she can then kind of just take out of her arms to use so she's got like knife tattoos and yeah mostly throwing implements mostly blades. mostly yeah maybe entirely blades but i, I like that Probably. detail of yeah I don't know because it has nothing to do with her being a necromancer. It's just no. <laughs> just an- oh, and here's another thing: she has uh, knife tattoos that are also knives. Yeah. Oh, by the way, those knife tattoos. Yeah, actual knives. Yeah. Good idea. It's, it's, yeah. Solid. I'm sure it's appeared somewhere else, but in this context, I like it. I can't think yeah. of anywhere else it happens. I guess like is there's a tattooed man in like DC whose tattoos can yeah, do stuff. He does stuff. And- um, yeah, no, I'm sure it comes up somewhere else, but I like, I like Soren. I like Owen. I like Axe. I yeah. like, I like Barbaric. It's a good book. <laughs> it is. And it's a fun book. I don't think yeah. there's any part of this where I'm like, this is a slog or this is, it's just no. an easy chilled out, like, I don't know, a hundred page read maybe. Yeah. That's a guess. There are no there are no page numbers in no here, numbers. so we it's, can't it's three issues cannot maybe confirm. There's not all the variant covers in the back, which is disappointing. That is true. There was an insane amount of variant covers for issue one. Yeah. Uh which tends to be a very vault choice to make. Yeah. 
um should we introduce quest aside we and shall we'll see where we're at yeah i guess i'm doing that <laughs> so quest aside is kind of similar but more different uh it is written by brian shirama yeah shirama? uh Brian, again, if you want to get in touch and correct us. Yeah, yeah. We may here. we may tweet you later. Um art is by Eleanor Gogu. Go- yeah. <laughs> Just say them all with a question mark at the end to prove that I don't know what I'm doing. Uh Eleanor Gogu. Uh colouring is by Rebecca Nolte and lettering is by Andworld Design. Yeah. Um so the main premise of Quest Aside is that there is this tavern called Quest aside, mm-hmm. which is ran by Barrow, who is this kind of famed adventurer who is meant to be the most cursed man in all the land. Yeah. Um, and maybe he is. Who knows? <laughs> He's not my Owen, though. So, you know. True. Different different levels of cursed. But, yeah. yeah. Different curses, but um, still. And basically follows Barrow and his members of staff, mostly. So... We have Vale, Jordan, Ray, and Susanna. Yeah. Who are the staff of Quest Aside, who do staff things. Serve drinks. Ser- serve drinks, make cook. food. Wait cook. tables. Yeah, wait tables. Clean um, the blood off the floor. Try and break up fights. Get lost in bottomless wardrobes, cupboards. Yeah. Storage, whatever. Um, the main premise here is that in the first issue, Barrow is visited by King Dirk, who is an old friend of Barrow. However, he wants to take over Quest Aside and turn it into barracks for his expanding army. Yeah. But will Barrow stop him? Will he even tell his staff about it? Will what will Barrow do? Is basically the hook here. Yep. Um we're left at the end of issue one with the visual of Barrow talking to kind of young ghost Barrow, who only yeah. he can see, which yep. is somewhat recurring, but not very consistently. It's, no, but he does. He does crop he's up. He's still there, yeah. Um, and whereas Barbaric is straight, three characters starts finish, and a few villains. There is a lot of people in this book. There's a huge um, amount. I mean, you, you've just listed the staff, and that's not even all the main characters. And there's there's at least half a dozen of them. I've got 20 named characters written down from the first four issues. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, Which I get, because it's like a stopping point where people go through, they pick up quests, they move on. Um. It is, I think, more overtly comedy, cartoonish. Yeah. At least in some ways. And whilst the main hook is Barrow's getting kicked out, is he going to stay or is he going to go? What's his plan? Mm. Um, We kind of get more tied up in other characters. So Ray is dating Susanna. However, Joden is in love with Susanna. Yeah. Vale wants to kill the king. Oh, Ray is a skeleton. Yeah, Ray, <laughs> Ray. Ray was necromanced back by Jodan, who messed it up, which means yeah. Ray's a little bit weird. Weird skeleton. Um, Jodan, bad mage, just not very good. Just not it. very good, not very well trained. I think his, isn't it something like his master died? Uh, his mage and, disappeared. Yeah. And then he's an apprentice with no one to learn from, essentially. Yeah. Uh, Ray, um, I don't know why it works, but just has these little glasses clipped to his... He does, yeah. I was going to say nose, but obviously he doesn't have a nose. Where his nose would be. Um, Works as an undead character really well. Yeah. Ray does remind me a little bit of Bone Wanderer by CJ and Toria, who are like small press people from Liverpool. Um, I wish I had more information. I'm bad with names right now. Uh, Bone Wanderer was like a little one-shot comic about an undead working in a castle who an adventurer comes in and gets killed and this undead skeleton's like, I could be an adventurer. 
<laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> and basically steals all this adventurer's stuff and sets out to, you know, adventure and doesn't really know what he's doing. So that's pretty fun. And I, I, I guess there's just a similar visual to Ray. Yeah. As skeleton with clothes. And a little pinny. <laughs> yes, this is true. And um, I guess one of our most direct connections between these two is that he does have a cleaver called Clive, who is a little bit of a cartoony kind of take on Axe. Yeah. Who talks to him and, well, he isn't really a moral compass, but... No, he just complains about the lack of food. Which, you know, don't we all? Mm. Um, I don't know if it's intentional or just a coincidence. I think it's intentional. But yeah, he does seem like an immediate reference to Axe. Yeah. Like you say, the cartoony version. Yes, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I don't think we get, we don't get as much Clive as we get Axe, but the little bits we do get are pretty funny. They're all classic. Yeah, pretty much. They're all, they're all scene stealing, panel stealing. If you will. Yes. Um. You So you've been reading and reviewing both of these. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on Quests Aside? Quest is a, it's a little bit more RPG fantasy. Yes. And the, there's a lot of sort of tropes that it uses. Like people going on quests and here's, you know, I need four strong men. Um, yeah, is it is he called Boone? Yeah, I think, yeah. Who just bursts into... Who just bursts in as like, I need four strong men to fight some vampires on the road. Increasingly surreal quests. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then at one point, I think, you know, it's like, oh, because they make up fake quests and try and send people on fake quests sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, Vale and Jordan. Yeah. Um, the weapons on the walls are enchanted, so only the employees can actually pick, you, them up. pick them up. If you try and get in a bar fight and try and rip one of the swords off the wall, it's not going to work. Um, yeah, it's little, it, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a bit more RPG. And, and also... There's a lot of characters, so it takes a lot. Barrow is always front and centre, so we learn more about Barrow than anyone else. Yeah. But it does take a while to sort of learn about the others because you have to... I mean, we've only just kind of learnt Vale's backstory in issue four. Yes, um, that's true. So um, it does take a lot longer to try and get these characters' journeys sort of shown because there are more of them. That is the basic... Thing. There's more of them, so it takes a bit longer. It's also more, I'd say it's more all ages. Like the mm. battles in this, you do see them sort of, you know, go at each other and here's a man punching another man and here's a man swording another man. Here's a woman flinging a mace. Um, <laughs> so that happens, but it's not the visceral visceral gore that you get with Barbaric. Barbaric, yes. you're seeing Axe munch through somebody's innards. Um, this it's just like oh here's a tap with a sword here's a smash with a mace here's a little shield in your face it's less it's less gory like yeah it's more family friendly yeah it's more family friendly there is swearing in this as well but it's all kind of censored with like little fantasy symbols yeah little fantasy symbols yeah so rather being starred out or anything like that it's kind of replaced with like little shields and axes and stuff which I yeah I'm a big fan of it's cute. I it's like it. sweet that, yeah. Um, our on and off narrator is like the bard who sits yes. outside. Um, yeah, he has a like battle. He has a bard with, battle in the first issue. Yeah, uh, with the king's bard. Yes, um, which is really good. It's hilarious. It's like <laughs> it's like a guitar battle, but it's a bard battle. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, another favorite, and I mentioned this when we did this on the roundup is that the first issue has uh, how is it? the only orc stand-up comic in the Vastlands, yes. who is terrible, but still kind of funny. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's he's a good one. Kind of orc makes the best music. The orchestra. The orc... <laughs> oh, oh orc bad. jokes. Orc <laughs> jokes. Um, but... I like I like this a lot. I think it's fun and kind of plays quite heavily on the like found family kind of narrative. Yeah. Um, but I think it works for that. I think Barrow explaining that this 
sequester side has become the home for everybody here and because they're all sort of misfits and weirdos yeah and they all care about each other and it, it does have this kind of vibe of um barrow being a father figure kind of not dissimilar to like I can't remember any character's names. So this is going to just be gibberish. But um, the Netflix show based on League of Legends, Arcane. Uh, Arcane uh-huh. has a similar kind of vibe with the father figure in that who has a mm. name and then mm. he dies yeah. and such. Um, but I feel like he's, there's a reminiscent vibe. And aesthetically as well, they do look pretty similar, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think this works... As kind of a found family coming together in the place that they have ended up. They are, we kind of see them all come looking for work. Yeah. They all need work. They all need help. Um, And yeah, Barrow's the one that kind of is the thread that links it all because he's the one who opens the door to them all and invites them in. And he's generally just a good guy. He is, uh, but he's got hang-ups about his past because he goes to Adventure as Anonymous. Which is... AA. Good stuff. Um, (laughs) And I think that is also what the announced name for the trade is as well. I think it's Volume 1, Adventure as Anonymous. It's a good scene, that, as well, where there's all these guys like, I used to go on quests and now (laughs) now I'm too worried. And it- um, there's one line about uh, from one of the adventurers who's like, I freed a load of girls from a harem. <laughs> and then the villagers kept assuring me that it was a school I'd burnt down, but yeah, they were misled. <laughs> they weren't. They didn't know. Yeah. They didn't understand the full situation. <laughs> so. Yeah. And in a way, that may- Barrow has some similarities in that Owen's got to move on from his past. But yes. he is cursed to move on from his past. Whereas, Whereas Barrow has chosen to, it. Yeah. Yeah. But Barrow's chosen Barrow's chosen to kind of ignore his past because it's like, weren't you a good friend of the king once? And he's like, ah, he wants. And then the ghost of his past self is like, you know, you remember how to have fun, right? Yeah. And kind of digs into him a bit. Whereas so Barrow's past is, you know, quite from what we gather from the stories that Crane is it Crane comes in and yes. tells stories. K R A Y N. Yeah, I'm gonna Crane go. Crane and Peril. Yeah, that's it. He comes back and tells you know these stories of when um, Barrow was a great adventurer and all of this, and now he's just here running a bar. Right, it's so boring. Um, so clearly, yes. Barrow has to move on from you know he. There is some trauma in the past that clearly inspired him to start Quest Aside. We don't know what that is yet. Um, so he's trying to move on, whereas Owen's like, you know, on the one hand, I sort of miss killing and drinking and questing and all the rest of it. He, because he went on quests, as we find out, mm. maybe not in this first trade, but later on. Um, and now he's fought, but he's been forced into the position where he has to, retire you know, retire. Well, not retire, but, but also, yeah, but he's like, yeah, yeah, I can fix stuff. I've, I've got to do good. I've got to, anyone who asks for my help, I'm forsworn to to lend a hand and he's not particularly fond of the position that he's in now because it was sort of forced yeah but they've both they've both got issues about the past they're just tackling it in similar but different ways yeah different ways at the best of times i think yeah um but i think they both have a lot more similarities than they do differences they do yeah um both of them, when we kind of see the past exploits, I think there's definitely some crossover there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting that we see kind of the complete opposite sides as well, even in things like Jodan and Sauron as yeah. um, magic types. Uh, Sauron is yeah. not... Well, we kind of find out Sauron is born with magic powers and is, you know... Yeah. Just does what she does, whereas... Jordan seems to be learning badly. <laughs> Attempting to learn um, from basically a creepy entity in a cave, as we find out. Yes, which we still don't really know what's happening. No. I guess we'll find out soon. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine possibly next 
issue, possibly the next arc, but soon. Yeah. So yeah. So Soren and Soren is more. If Soren raised someone from the dead, she'd probably do it right. Uh, whereas because of natural talent, whereas Jojen's <laughs> kind of like, well, I've got this book, but I don't really know what I'm doing with it. Um, but I've raised this guy from the dead, but um, hey, he can cook. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And no explanations for that. Just it's what it is. Yeah. Um, and Ray sort of provides more of the cynical humour. Because he's, yeah. I mean, Susanna's dating him and then she's like, you know what, Ray's kind of an asshole, And it's like, it is true, but also he's quite funny with it. Yeah, I, I like I like Ray. I like all the characters in this, to be fair. I think they all come from different angles. Um, I feel like Susanna is the one we know the least about. Yeah, she basically... Because we see her turning up and Barrow giving her the tour and explaining things and what she's got to do, but we don't really know... Much who she of, is or no. she I mean there is, there is the problem that sort of her her early character stuff is also linked in with her relationship with Ray like she breaks up with him and yes is like yeah he's an arse and and Vale's like so why don't you break up with him she's like okay then I will um so she does Susanna's probably the one with the least individual yeah yeah and the least sort of agency in a way. I mean, she has agency in that she makes a choice in a relationship, but she does it after talking to several people. Yeah, that's true. She speaks to Barry, she speaks to Vale, she makes a decision. Um, it's interesting that we kind of find out that um, Jordan and Ray are like a package deal and they, you know, both yeah. clearly have a thing with Susanna. <laughs> interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Almost like there could be some projection there of Jordan onto Ray as a, mm. you know, resurrected entity. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm stretching here, but it sounds believable. It could work <laughs> within this context. It could work. Um, very different books. The two of them both operating kind of in the similar space of fantasy world. You know how that works, right? Cool. Yeah. Let's get on with it. Um, I think they're both funny, but in different ways. Um, yeah, sort of quest aside is more, I'm not going to say obvious humour, that seems... I feel like it's cool, it's more intentionally written to be a comedy. Yes. Like the tag, the tagline on the back of the issues is, it's always sunny in the realms. So I feel like yeah. there's some knowingness that, hey, we're doing a comedy book. I feel like Barbaric is... Uh, I, I don't know how to what to compare it to really. I mean, you can. I mean, it's like it on the back of Barbaric. It just says, "Barbaric, the only tale brave enough to ask: How can a man sworn to do good indulge in so much violence?" Which isn't really doesn't really give you an idea. Yeah, of... yeah. I don't think it gives away anything. No, I actually. This is they're completely different. But go with me on this. For whatever reason, there's something about Barbaric that reminds me of, like, Money Shot. I can see that, um, yeah. I don't know if it's just some of the, like, comedy choices or, like, it's not committed... It's not overly committed to... what. So, like, Money Shot was, hey, we're doing sci-fi exploration, but it's sex-positive yeah. comic comedy about running a sci-fi porn site. I don't know. It was... I feel like this has a similar commitment to being like, hey, it's a fantasy Conan-type book, but it's funny, but it's got depth. There's things in it that seem like... Even for the strange location of, like, whenever and wherever Barbaric is sat, set, Barbaric is set, there, are, there is stuff in it that feels kind of current and political and yeah um i should have written this written down notes but i can't i can't think now there was, there's definitely something very early on with the well, even little things like the guy at the start who's trying to get owen to kill the guys in the like coliseum kind of setup and it's stuff like axe going 
Ah, uh, you can kill the first two guys, but the third guy's just a thief. That's that's not a killing affair. And then the kind <laughs> yeah. of the security when I, when Owen's trying to leave, just being like, "Hey, we don't get paid enough. You you can go." Yeah. So even things like that feel very kind of now and. Yeah, it feels quite modern in its. Uh, I think there's enough way. of the real world kind of slotted in between the you know graphic violence and yeah um monster hunting axe swinging action which i think yeah so so there's enough seeds that this there's more to this than just being a medieval fantasy yeah comic um i don't think we particularly get that with quest aside but with quest aside no. i think we do get references to now in stuff like when they're going through barrows like collection in the first issue we get kind of a yeah hey it's a tooth from the speria and yeah whatever they use to defeat the zub which is referencing a lot of different comic creators we also see stuff like uh got in my notes somewhere uh, we see like a painting on the wall that's like an art, the, like the girl with the pearl earring. But it's oh an yeah, and I think we get is Skeletor in this at one point. I, I feel think like we he see is. His, like, yeah. shoulder pads. Pads, yeah. Or maybe not Skeletor, but someone similar. Someone who dresses like Skeletor. Purple and skeletony. The oh, Skeletor. Um, so I feel like we're kind of anchored to the now. Oh yeah, eighties. <laughs> in a kind of coming and going references in the background rather than yeah explicitly saying things in the dialogue that bring us into the now yeah it's more background work background real world background than... real world real world in the background um but two different kinds of fantasy book but both kind of drawing on the same spaces at times as we've covered owen and barrow uh, Joden and Soren, I think. Yeah, Axe and Clive the Cleaver. Axe and Clive, of course, the <laughs> the double act we're all waiting for. I mean, yeah, they <laughs> they of, could, yeah, yeah, you know, Friday night, Quest Aside's talent night. They could they could team up. They could do that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be into <laughs> that. Put that put them aside alongside the art comedian. Everybody, wins. yeah, everyone be happy. I also feel like we, we get the recurring theme, not just in Barrow and Owen, but also in the Scorpion Trust, who are a group yeah. of adventurers who turn up in issue four yep. to try and try and buy Quest Aside. We kind of see the recurring theme of like moving on and yeah. realizing you're finished with something. So Barrow has obviously realized that and founded Quest Aside. Owen has been forced to kind of give up his past and move yeah. on. And then we see the Scorpion Trust also, who are like, hey, you know, we'd like to settle down, have ourselves a nice tavern. Yeah, and... we we can't adventure forever. We can't do quests forever. At some point, we've got to draw a line under it and find a nice place to settle down and run a bar. Which is a theme I don't think we really see in fantasy, or at least not the fantasy I've come across. No. Um it always seems to be, you know, the young adventurer trying to prove themselves or... Yeah. I don't know. Teaming up for the first time to defeat yeah, an evil. massive epic quest, not yeah. what happens when the questing is done, which I guess in a sense makes this similar to, like, no one left to fight in the... Yeah. What do you do when you finish the fighting? Yeah. You set up a tavern or you get forced to do good forever. Yeah, those are your choices. Um... The recurring theme across them of being cursed as well is interesting. We see Barrow cursed that he can't get drunk and uh, he's haunted by a idealised version of himself. Yeah, the idealised younger version of himself. To quote directly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously Owen's kind of a one curse kind of man, but... That ruin that runs his life. That one curse yeah. affects everything. So it is interesting how we see different curses on both sides. We see the same kind of ideas employed in different ways, and I think it keeps you in mind that this is mm. these are fantasy tropes. 
but they're also free to kind of go in really, really different ways. And and they do, yeah. They take the same kind of tropes, but they use them in very different scenarios and different ways. Yeah. And it's like, kinda. I mean, thinking about because we found out Vale's tortured backstory, and it's a bit like, I mean, Soren has a very different tortured backstory, but it's sort of how they approach their tortured backstories in the, you know... Yeah, definitely. What um, sort of revenge, you know, is it revenge or do you try and protect what you had? Or is it both? can be both. I, I do, whilst I, I liked finding out more about Vale, it did annoy me, this kind of twisty... See, I liked the twisty. Of course you did. Because I'm a twisty person. Um, I think it works, though. I think it conveyed the story and maintained the kind of bard spoken narrative we saw in the first issue and it kind of dipped yeah. out after that um, I suppose that's one of the differences the bard dips in and out of narrator as narrator quite a lot in Quest Aside whereas Barbaric there's no real one narrator you get all the characters narrating it at one point or that's another that's true um, that's immediately reminded me there is one page two pages three pages there are some pages in issue three of barbaric and i've read this twice now at least maybe more i've read those three pages so much i think it's the first three pages of issue three where you have owen's dialogue and the abbot's dialogue side by side one bubble each per panel for like three pages Mm. and it is the most maddening (laughs) three pages in all the things I've read this year ah them's the ones oh there it is yeah because the two dialogues don't complement each other they don't tie together (laughs) but they exist yeah they sure do exist but I both times I've read this I have ended up reading one set of bubbles and then the other and then the first set of bubbles again and then (laughs) taking notes on what both sets of bubbles are trying to say yeah um i don't know what it is that doesn't scan in my brain about those two pages three pages but for some reason it just well they don't sort of lead into each other no, they're two completely different bits of dialogue. Like, the abbot's like, we heard their call, souls made monstrous by our own creator, cast out. And then Owen's like, if the words divine and justice weren't totally fucked. But that <laughs> made, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't lead on to it at all. And It follows just, on from what Owen has been saying. But not quite, it doesn't flow flow. It does feel a little bit dis jointed and unconnected it has gotten to the point where i've read those bubbles so often that i've kind of created in my own mind like is the thing here that the abbot is coming out with this kind of religious uh rhetoric and it's just meant to demonstrate how little owen cares that he's like while the abbot is delivering his speech about why you know you got to do the yes yeah, i've got to be um, evil Owen is just like, yeah, but, you know, here's my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might be projecting that, but, yeah, my interpretation after reading it a hundred (laughs) times was that it is basically Owen ignoring the abbot and being like, my dialogue's more important. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the hero. I'm doing good. My dialogue is in yellow boxes that look a bit like bits of scroll and your dialogue is in, like... Talk all over you, man. Yeah. Maybe that's not the case, and it is just some awkwardly positioned yeah. bubbles. But yeah, my assumption was he's Owen just being a dick here, and he's like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is on brand for Owen because even though he's cursed to do good, he tries to do it in as dickish a way as he possibly yeah, he, can. He's kind of the worst, and it's clear he doesn't like being good. No, so everything the the sheer frustration. When people ask for help, yeah. and Axe is like, "Hey, eh, eh, gotta do that," and you can just tell that yeah. it's like, "But I don't. I'm busy. I'm busy doing not that." 
And but I like how he sort of comes to because Soren at first is kind of oh right I've saved you, and she's a bit of an annoyance. And then like you get the fact that by the end of it he is actually you know as he fond, is a good guy as he... fond as Owen can get. He he is you know he likes her and like you say underneath yeah. he is a good guy and he does like her. And you know that is it's almost like that is a weird they're a weird found family. Not yes. by choice, by M- circumstance. Much more minimal than the Quest of Sire Very family. minimal, because there's only three of them if you count Axe. You know, he's like the drunken uncle. Um, ah, the drunkle. The drunkle, yeah, he's the drunkle. But it is the same, you get the same sort of feeling that, yeah, they have an emotional connection as, you know, a small group, a tiny group. And then you've got Quest of Sire, which has the proper found family aspect to it. Definitely, yeah. Um I think they both work well at that in different ways. Yeah. Um, I think we're at different points in the journey, whereas at Quest Aside, the Farron family is really, really established. Yeah. Barbaric is showing us, like, the origins of that Farron family. Yeah. And I guess the way this ends implies that more people might end up being part of that. Yeah, having having read the one shot and then the first issue of the second arc. Yes. There are there's a character in the well there's there's more than one character in the one shot, but there's one character who I think might crop up again. And mm. then certainly there's a couple of characters from the second arc who are likely to crop up again, so Okay. I mean that that yeah. sounds cool. I think whilst I'm all for a simple cast of characters or simple recurring characters, it's nice to have additions to that to pad out. I think it would be hard to do three characters, one being a talking axe, for a long format book without someone else involved. I mean, not that we really know the format of this. We know they're doing one shots and we know they're doing a volume two. Yeah. I think Barbaric is really good and I can see it quite comfortably running for a while especially in this kind of chilled format of like yeah you know, three issues and then we take a break and it was quite a significant break as well it was yeah it was a, a good, good few months. yeah it was 10 months something like that before Maybe. we got yeah I'm not sure yeah um it was a long long gap quest aside i'm, I'm curious to see where this is going to go after this first volume um i feel like there's going to be a ton of stuff unresolved or Unexplored, maybe, more than unresolved. Yeah, yeah, because, spoilers, the King's Army shows up at the end of issue four, so... Yeah, it seems things are about to get more serious for Barrow and... His gang. The gang, yeah. Yeah, but but ultimately, you don't know how it's going to end, but, I mean, the fact that you've got Vale's past and that's not really been explored outside of a flashback, Susanna, you can explore more... Who was Ray before he was necromance back as an angry skeleton? Um, Will Clive the Cleaver get any more page time? These are the questions. They're the big ones. It feels like the first volume is going to be more Barrow's arc because he's front and centre and we're looking at Barrow. Maybe later on we can focus on some of the others. Yeah, I think there's enough of a cast of characters to explore them all individually as we go on. Yeah. Um, I mean, this the same with Barbaric. I would be happy to see more of Owen's past and more of Soren's past and... More of Axe. More of Axe, yeah. Just generally. And, and there is... He does imply that he hasn't always been an Axe. There is that implication. Which I'm really curious about where yeah. that's going to go. Was he a Cleaver once? Yeah, was he a Cleaver? <laughs> well, is he Clive's twin brother? Um, Family reunion. <laughs> the one you didn't know you needed. Yeah. But I'm quite willing to see where both of these go yeah. for as long as they go. Um, I think they're both fun. Um, different ways, Barbaric is a lot more full-on. Yeah. And I think heavier in ways. There's a lot more, there's like, I mean, there's, you know, the concept of death and hell and all of that crops up. Quest Aside tends to sort of not deal head-on with you know i mean death is part of it you know raise a skeleton but <laughs> but it's kind of but, cuter about it and yeah softer it, yeah edges. whereas you know the creatures that are necromanced back to life in barbaric are just sheer evil 
and we'll come and steal your soul kind of deal. Gotta love it. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure I've got much else to add. I think these are both really good yeah. fantasy books. As I've mentioned many times, I'm not the most like consistent fantasy guy. No. Um, but these are both books that stood out to me when we read the first issues and I've enjoyed coming back to them for the trades. So if you're not a, I don't know, standard fantasy kind of person, I would recommend checking yeah. these out. I think you'll have a good time. It's, inter- it's interesting. Vault have got this like comedy fantasy niche going on. Long I, may it continue. And this isn't even the... Like, songs for the, a Song for the Dead, I think is the name of the series, and Necromancer's Map, which was the second kind of are in this vein as well. And yeah. I don't think they've ever shied away from doing fantasy comedy stuff. So, I mean, that's cool. If if that's yeah. a thing that you've got a strong interest in. I know Vault have always had a big thing about having prominent female characters as well. And I think that yeah. is true here. I think there's as many female characters in both of these books as there are male characters. Yeah. Pretty much. Barbaric's close, but... I mean, Barbaric has a problem with the axe is read as male. Yes. So he tips it a little bit, but, you, you know, Soren's a really good female character. She is, definitely. Very interesting. Quest aside, you've got Vale, you've got Zuzanna, you've got Mira, who keeps trying to buy the bar from Barrow. Gotta do what you gotta do. Um, Sometimes you need an extra bar. Yeah. She's, Susie the Giant. That's it. So there are, there are but like, yeah, it... it it does feel quite well balanced. Definitely. And yeah, I look forward to just seeing more of these. Yeah. I know I've said that Definitely. once, but I'm just going to keep saying just, it. Just going to reiterate that. Yeah. We look forward to more. More mm. talking axes and cleavers. Yeah. It's what, it's what we all need. Got to give the people what they want. Yeah. So I guess on that note. Yeah. This is the end of the episode. Um, so, we've been Angela and Zach. Yes. Once again, collectively bigger than capes. Yeah. And remember that comics are <laughs> bigger, bigger than, than capes. capes. And capes.